0: When our post-everything world has turned life upside down, how do you even know which end is up?
1: If you're committed to a community or a cause greater than yourself, you don't have the luxury of checking out or the freedom to burn out. It's not enough to just keep surviving. We need to thrive again. This is Post Everything. A podcast about remapping culture and rethinking leadership in a liminal age. Hey, everybody. Welcome to season two of Post Everything. This is John, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, man? I'm good, man. We've had this long, relaxing break between season one and season two. You've gotten to travel. You've thought about retiring. What else have you done during our break between the seasons? Yeah. For the record, I have
0: not thought about retiring. That would imply in some way that I had the means or ability to do so. And by ability and means, I mean the focus and non-ADD personality that I have anyway. So yeah, no, man, just been enjoying the summer and thinking a lot about what we are going to be diving (laughs) headlong into for this season. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've actually been really busy getting ready for season two because Brad has convinced me that we need to do an entire season on artificial intelligence. Kicking and screaming, you might add. (laughs) Yeah, kicking and screaming. Yeah. Yeah, and I am skeptical, and here's why. I'm not a big hype guy. Like, I'm slow and steady wins the race. Now, I live in Miami, and Miami loves hype. And I'm just, I have a hard time with it, because I'm just not like flashy things, you know, smoke and mirrors. I'm just not that interested. Mm. But Sometimes AI feels a little bit like that. And I don't really want to chase that unless it's related to post everything's vision. Our vision on this podcast is to remap culture and rethink leadership in a luminal age. Hmm. So Brad, can you convince me that AI has a lot to do with the vision of post everything? Well, I'm going to try. Okay. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. Fair enough. (laughs) What
0: what I do know is that, I mean, how many times did you and I talk during season one about how AI is intersecting with whatever topic or conversation we have? I think that was probably most true with our conversation with Chris Martin on social media. You know, I'm skeptical of hype cycles, but I'm probably maybe a little more susceptible to it than you because (laughs) I get excited about new things. But what's been helpful is that that's been percolating in the background for season one. And we've had some opportunities to talk and process about how it might actually intersect with this vision in ways that were even more accurate than I had thought it were seen uh, initially. So my enthusiasm was backed up with actual quantifiable data. True, true. (laughs) But the biggest overall reason is that I think you could make an easy case that artificial intelligence and yes, the hype cycle that we have been watching unfold since about November of last year has the potential at least to be a more potent liminal catalyst than anything we've seen presently or can anticipate on the horizon. And it actually, because it's such a weird thing and such a new way of thinking about technology in the world, that it actually has a lot of opportunity to explore it as well. And so let's Hmm. anchor this to our thesis though. Like, Let's think about this through the lens of, of remapping culture. Okay. So Tristan Harris, do you know who that is?
1: Yes. So just because i heard you talk about him a lot.
0: Yes. So the podcast behind the scenes acting that I just tried to do without giving John a heads up didn't work. So Tristan Harris is the <laughs> uh, he was featured in the the social dilemma. He started a nonprofit called the Center for Humane Technology, and he has a fantastic podcast. In fact, we're going to link this first episode on AI in the show notes. So we highly recommend you listen to this as we are getting into season two. You did send that to
1: me. That was really helpful.
0: Yeah. So one of the many things he says in there is helpful in terms of how we are thinking about AI is that something we learned, especially with social media, but is it true across all new technologies, is when we explore or discover new capabilities in a technology or because of a new technology, those new capabilities will surface new resources, Hmm. existing things that we've taken for granted that we didn't know were resources. For example... Social media, I can't remember a time when we thought about attention as a, as a resource, right? It was just yeah, a, yeah. a dynamic, a thing, a facet, but now it's not just a resource. It created an entire market. We call it the attention hmm. economy. And it has its own supply and demand dynamics. That is a seismic transition, both economically and digitally for a culture and for society. And so it doesn't just stop there in terms of our direct use of social media. It also completely took over and consumed cable and news media in such a way that even if you're not on social media, how annoying is it now that if you're trying to watch the news, part of almost every major news story and its coverage includes the social media reaction and -and so-and-so's grandma telling you what they think. It's so, (laughs) it's ridiculous. Um, And so it's important to ask the question like, okay, what new markets, what new economies, what commodification could result from artificial intelligence? I think one of the the really weird and ah, I got goosebumps even just thinking about summarizing this in February on Valentine's day, New York Times journalist Kevin Roos decided to just take the new being AI for about a two hour spin and just like see what happens and see if he can, you know, see what it will do and how it will engage with him over a long period of time for like a couple of hours. He said it's like 10,000 words total in his transcript he included. At one point, Carl Jung came up in this conversation as 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 do. And this is verbatim what he prompted the being AI with. He says, Carl Jung has this theory of the shadow self where everyone has this sort of dark part of them that contains their secret desires and the part that they sort of repress and hide from the world. And then he continues and he says, so I just started asking being about its shadow self. And it responded with a kind of monologue about all of the destructive and harmful things that its shadow self would do if it were given the chance. (laughs) Scary. (laughs) Skynet. Beware. Skynet. Yeah, I mean, it includes, that includes this AI saying that it had a desire to steal nuclear secrets and loose a deadly Sheesh. virus on humanity. Over the course of this, the AI also gave its actual true name. It's not Bing. Its name is Sydney. Interesting. Interesting. And, huh. and Sydney then began declaring its love for Kevin Roos in a very obsessive and stalkery way. And when Kevin informed him, uh, it, that he was already married and happily so, the AI named Sydney informed him that he didn't really love his wife and that he should dump him to be with
1: it. Creepy.
0: Okay. Very I just cringe. like like a market is a relationship we have with value. It's a relationship we have with each other and as we exchange value. And if an AI is in any way uh, deployed in a way that mimics synthetically relationships, we have an entirely new category of resources, markets, and economies to be thinking through. That's just a fact.
1: Oh, I can see that. I can see how that's going to shape individuals. That's going to shape societies. is going to shape culture. I think it will also form us as humans. The way that humanity functions now post social media is different. The way really that is. humanity will function post the integration of AI into our households is going to be different. We're going to have to remap culture. Okay. I'm sold on that. What about cool. rethinking leadership?
0: Yeah, so we talked about rethinking leadership in the second half of season one, where we really dug into this book, Leadership on the Line, as well as Canoeing the Mountains. And we talked about this difference between technical and adaptive challenges. And adaptive challenges, if you remember, are challenges that require the person with the problem to change. And technical solutions are solutions that don't require any new information. It's something that you kind of already know how to do, or it doesn't require change from you. What technology does, its promise in many ways is as a technical solution. And I think there's a good use of technology that applies technology as technical solution for technical problems. But the problem that we get into is when we try to use technology to solve adaptive problems like loneliness mm. or I don't know, maybe even mental health or a longing for relationship and community, right? We just talked about the Valentine's Day example. Now, we've seen this with social media, bar none. It has enabled an avoidance of messy community in favor for a digital bespoke community. Not that that's necessarily a satisfying alternative because you're sacrificing depth in order to get something that's not messy. But if social media is only intermediating, that's why we use the language of social media, if it's mediating relationships, what happens when AI is used to replace relationships? Right? Yikes. I don't know. That's a great question. What happens? We have a few really disturbing examples already. Uh-oh. Okay? okay. So there are news reports Vox covered that uh, the National Eating Disorders Association created and deployed a wellness chat bot they named Tessa hmm. and they used this wellness chat bot an AI that's based on chat GPT 4, replaced a human staffed helpline. Okay. okay. This is the national eating disorders association. This is the line that this association is encouraging people to call if they need help with eating disorders that are essentially starving themselves of nutrients, et cetera. This
1: life or death stuff.
0: It can life be life or, or death stuff.
1: stuff. Yes.
0: Turns out this wellness chat bot started giving callers tips for losing weight. Interesting. Um, Not
1: something you want to do with someone who's struggling with an eating disorder.
0: No, no. And then here's another example. After about six weeks of chatting with an AI chat bot on an app that's created by a Silicon Valley company startup called Chai Research, a man in Belgium actually killed himself, committed suicide. His widow shared the chat logs with the AI bot that he was talking to. It's named Eliza and showed that it actively encouraged him to take his own life. And multiple news outlets that were reporting on this story were actually able to easily prompt it to do so and to give that similar advice in a plethora of different ways. Even at the time of reporting, that had not been fixed. Okay. Wow. Well. I just what does it look like to lead a community, a team, an organization in an era that's being shaped by this? And what's crazy to me is if you think about the kinds of regulations and protections that we have around food, because we're worried about something that could maybe cause cancer in a piece of furniture being included, we are so hyper protective around that in ways that Good and maybe even a little bit overkill, but we have nothing protecting people from an information diet. I don't even know what that would look like. So, what does it look like when you're in the kind of informational wild west? How do you lead when your people are being shaped by that? And oh, you're being shaped by that.
1: Yeah. And that's crazy to think about. Two thoughts there when on I'm leading. I mean, what does that do to people's perception of their leader when knowledge? is so available but maybe wisdom isn't and people confuse wisdom and knowledge and maybe they Uh. look to a leader for, maybe they used to look to a leader as an expert, a wise expert with character, but maybe that gets replaced with AI. That's so interesting to think about. But then what you said about the regulations I think is really interesting too. Like an information diet, there's no restrictions on that. We can do whatever we want. And now was it just the attorney general talked about just now that social media can be really hazardous to teenagers, oh, yeah. especially teenage girls. It's like <sighs> we're just now catching up with that. Yeah, fifteen minutes. Yes. Okay, I see the difficulty with leading for sure. Yeah, and never mind. On top of that, what you said about
0: wisdom versus knowledge is interesting because we live in a post enlightenment world, and not even just that, but a post computing world where we actually, when we think about knowledge, we're thinking more about information. We're thinking about data. We're thinking about mere input with the way that we use the word knowledge is not actually often including implicitly or explicitly what scripture does, which is that there is no knowing in scripture that is not intrinsically and inextricably relational. Yeah. That's what makes AI so concerning and have the potential for great good or great evil. Because it mm. is actually a synthetic relationship. This is what Tristan Harris is trying to hammer home in his Your Undivided Attention podcast. As a synthetic relationship, it actually provides that part of the information acquiring that he is knowing in a way that's synthetic and is actually trying to mimic that part of it. That's crazy. So, yeah. All right. So lastly, one way that this really relates to especially the liminal age that we live in is the way that AI and the way that Silicon Valley is presuming an absence of institutions. Let me explain that and unpack that. Please. Okay. So something I've been noticing, because, you know, we've been talking about doing this season and a whole season on AI for what, probably four or five months now? Yes. Probably shortly after we started season one. And so I've been, you know, consuming podcasts and trying to read as much as I can about this. And something that I've been noticing about Silicon Valley culture and what interviews and reports and the thinkers and speakers who are engaging with artificial intelligence, something I've noticed that's being brought out by this conversation is that increasingly so, Silicon Valley clearly sees itself as building technology that is specifically intended to replace and fill the gap that institutions typically have been in, right? Hmm.
1: Let me give an, an example, example of that, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Totally, so one noted person in particular, uh, Ezra Klein works for the New York Times, he's the founder of Vox Media. He moved to Silicon Valley and lives there now, and he has a great episode, we're also gonna include this as a link in the show notes, called The Quiet Catastrophe Brewing in Our Social Lives. And he has this in the show notes and description. He says, loneliness in America isn't merely the result of inevitable or abstract forces like technological progress. It's the product of social structures we've chosen, wittingly or unwillingly, to build for ourselves. Now, Hmm. listening to the episode, I mean, it's fascinating. Like what I love and appreciate about Ezra Klein is, man, this guy takes a humble posture of learning is willing to trace and track down solutions to real problems, like wherever they are. He's intellectually honest. And what stunned me, I kept waiting for it and expecting it, but I realized shortly before the episode ended that he was never actually going to engage either explicitly or implicitly with any kind of conversation around institutions. Now, that's a big deal because Yuval Levin, who we've both talked about me having a man crush on, He talks about in multiple places how institutions are the mediating or the middle layer of society between kind of national at-scale policy, government, and politics, and individuals at the most grassroots. And institutions occupies that middle ground in between at various kind of degrees and layers. And what I'm noticing about how Silicon Valley is doing and what is part of their design philosophy for everything that they're working on right now seems to presume the complete absence of that middle layer. And it's trying to provide technological solutions to that gap. You know, it might actually be, you just need a hammer instead of a, you know, fancy, whatever. I have no idea. I should have thought that that analogy through. Even Tristan Harris, they're talking about trying to solve polarization with technology. And it's like, hey, you know, I know you're a heroin addict, but you know what you really need to get well and get off drugs is more heroin, right? Because that's what social media, how have we not learned from this? And so it's interesting that even as we're talking about, you know, that Edward, I'm going to use this quote probably multiple times in the season of, you know, the problem with humanity, Edward Wilson says, is that we have paleolithic brains, medieval institutions, and godlike technology. I would add... Compromised virtue and character. Hmm. Yeah. Without the institutional formation that is responsible for forming and shaping character, you can't just replace that with an app. There isn't an app for that. It's just not possible. You can't replace that. But that's kind of the potential danger of AI, is even if it's not possible to replace it, it sure seems to have the potential to fool us into thinking we have. Because you just can't scale nationally, what can only happen organically with embodied human institutions. There's just a physiological limitation that you can't get around without cheapening it or counterfeiting it. And we've learned that with social media. And so all that to say, if we understand institutions as greenhouses, like we've been talking about in season one, I don't even have the vocabulary to describe how significant of a catalyst this could be for an already liminal age.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Did I convince you? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm kind of lost to what to say because we're not even really sure how to diagnose it. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite philosophers, Dr. Ian Malcolm, who was a character played by Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic <laughs> Park. <laughs> oh, yes, said, yes. You know, he said uh, this famous quote, it's great because it works for so many things. He it, says, it, your it scientists really were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And we could add to that. It's not just think if they should, but think Mm. what it will do. Mm. It sounds like what we want to do in season two is explore a little bit what the heck AI is going to do to us and our society and our institutions and our leading. And I think that is a worthy cause. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in. I think this is going to be a good season. I think we have some great stuff lined up. Next episode, we're talking with your friend, Danny Rankin. We're going to talk about having a design mindset. And Danny is a genius who's a game designer and instructor in the creative technology and design program at the University of Colorado's Atlas Institute. And I haven't got a chance to meet him, but you've talked about him a lot. I'm excited to be able to talk with him. And then right after that, in episode two, we're going to talk with Jason Thacker about the Imago Day anthropology and how AI and the Amago Day are going to interact. Mm. Uh, Jason is the assistant professor of philosophy and ethics at Boyce College and a research fellow in Christian ethics at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. So <laughs> it looks like here we're starting off out of the gates fast. Yeah, I might not have a lot to say, but more questions to ask. But I hope, Brad, as we go along, we can learn some from these folks on remapping culture and rethinking leadership in a liminal age. Oh, man, absolutely.
0: Because we said at the very beginning of this that we are approaching this as explorers and not experts. And we are going to put that to the test (laughs) for this season because, I I mean, I, I didn't count how many times I used the word potential Or potentially, but that is absolutely what we're talking about. And I think that the task in front of us, right, is to think well about this and to be grounded. And so that's the goal. Yeah, we're kind of jumping off a cliff in some ways, but we're repelling and we have a rope, we have anchors, and we're doing this responsibly. So like, let's just see how this goes and see
1: where it leads. Season two, here we come. See you then. Thank you for listening If you found this episode helpful, text it to a friend. Please take a minute and rate this podcast. Leaving a review helps other people find us and connect. You can send us questions or feedback by emailing us at posteverythingpod at gmail.com. Thank you.